Welcome to It's Time on CSN International, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode, we'll be listening to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of Mark. Each of the four Gospels has a different approach and different audience targeted by the Holy Spirit. The book of Mark is a fast-paced, action-packed tome focused on Christ's role as a servant. By studying the examples of Christ in the book of Mark, we can learn a great deal about what our life as Christians should look like and the heart of Christ. With our study on Mark, here's Pastor Mike. You represent God's love, and that's hard. Either people are going to accept that or they're going to reject that, and you come along representing God, and and you don't even, you know, you're not saying, I have come here to judge all of you. No, you're not doing that. You're just coming along smiling and blessing people and being kind to people, and, and they see that, and they know in their own life there is a horrible lack. They may even think they're Christians, and there's a horrible act, and you become a standard to them, and so they have to go after you to reduce you to nothing, so therefore they don't look so bad, or they can reduce your message. Well, this is what the Pharisees did. But he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. Now, it is interesting here. It says, they came out, began to dispute with him, seeking a sign from heaven. Okay, if you're really God's son, do a miracle. You know what? That is not faith, friends. You know, there's a lot of people that come along today and say, well, if God's really God, do something for me. Remember, Jesus was brought before Herod. And the Bible says that Herod was anxious to see Jesus. He'd heard a lot about him when this is when Jesus had been arrested in the garden and moved from Pilate over to Herod's place. And and it says that he was anxious to see him because he had heard about all the things that he did. And the first thing that Herod said to him is, he said, you've done miracles for others, do one for me. And you know what Jesus did for him? Nothing. The Bible says he didn't answer him a word. Now, some people would say, well, that's a pretty good miracle right there to be um, interrogated by the government and not say one word in your defense. That could be a miracle, but Jesus didn't offer him anything. He didn't grow any arms or legs out or cause any blind people to see. The reason why, friends, is just because a person may see a miracle of God doesn't change their heart. And uh, there's people today that have seen miracles of God, and and it doesn't change their life. You You have to have a willingness in your heart to see God work in your life for those things that become real. Remember Pharaoh in the Bible, in the Old Testament? The Bible says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. I've had people say, well, what kind of a God is it that hardened Pharaoh's heart and then punished him? Well, what did God ever do to Pharaoh? If you study the scripture, the only thing that God ever did to Pharaoh was do miracles for him. He showed him that he wasn't God. Remember all the different things, you know, the frogs and the lice and the waters turning to blood and and all these different plagues that came upon the land of Egypt. And every miracle that God did at the hand of Moses and Aaron, Pharaoh's heart, instead of getting softer, got harder. Now, you say, well, where else does that appear in the scripture? Well, we find it with the Pharisees. Every time Jesus would do a miracle in front of the Pharisees, their hearts got harder. We remember that uh, Lazarus had died. And that that was the brother of Mary and Martha. And when they had sent to Jesus, they said, Jesus, your friend Lazarus is sick, come. And it said that Jesus delayed and came late. And they said, never mind, Lazarus is already dead. And Jesus looks at Mary and said, Mary, 
he'll live again. And she says, oh yes, Lord, I know in the resurrection. And he goes, no. He goes, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, will live. And so where have you laid him? And so we remember the, Jesus went to where they had rolled the stone in front of the tomb. And he says, roll the stone back. And they said, oh Lord, he stinketh. He's been dead four days. That's King James for, whoa, don't open that. And, and so he rolled the stone back and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out of the tomb, alive. Now, when the Pharisees saw it, the Bible does not say, and they saw it and rejoiced and were glad. No, it doesn't say that. It says the Pharisees saw it and said, now we not only have to kill Jesus, but Lazarus also. You think, boy, talk about compounding sin. In other words, sin leads to more sin. There's a good illustration that they hated Jesus. They wanted to kill him. But you can't have a living example of God's power walking around. We got to kill Lazarus too. Now, the more miracles that Jesus did in front of the Pharisees, the harder the Pharisees' heart got. Now, that shows you a little bit about the nature of man. And so we find here that Herod wanted to see a miracle of Jesus. And so Jesus warns. Now, notice he says here, he says, Why does this generation seek a sign? Surely, I say to you, there'll be no sign given to this generation. Uh, uh, um, uh, Jesus said, listen, you don't want to see it, you won't see it. Um, Jesus was the fulfillment of, of the scripture. And so he departed and left them, getting into the boat, departing to the other side. Now, when the disciples had forgotten to take bread, they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Now, they, they get ready to cross over the other side, and the disciples forgot to take bread. Now, this is a really important story here, concerning the Bible, because a lot of people... Have you ever thought God's mad at you? Anybody here? My hand's up. My, both my hands are up. <laughs> I've thought that before. And you know what I found a lot of times? Sometimes it was justified and sometimes it ain't. Well, well it says here that the disciples got into the other side. They, they, they got in the boat and they forgot to take bread with them. And then Jesus charged them. He challenged them saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now Jesus is thinking about and with hope that they were thinking about this little episode that they had back these first couple of verses before it, where it says uh, the Pharisees came out, began to dispute with him in verse 11. And so Jesus now challenges them, charges them, saying, look, listen, listen up. You know, we just had this run-in with the Pharisees. And so he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. Now, the, the leaven is like yeast. And, and the Bible says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. You can't hide leaven. Uh, leaven is, you know, you don't really see it. You mix it in with the bread. You come back in three or four hours and here the bread is rised. It's, it's that deterioration. And, and, and Jesus said, listen, beware of the leaven of the scribes and Herod. Uh, the Pharisees and Herod. Now, again, why? Because a little bit goes a long way. Now, with Herod, it was this doubting. It was this, this um, uh, thing that, that it's all about him. Now, again, we know what kind of a person Herod was anyway, where his power had corrupted him. Be careful of that, Jesus says. And he also says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And that is the skepticalness in not being able to trust God anymore. You know, Jesus said it like this, except a man become as a child, he'll not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And a lot of times we supplant our rational deductions in the place where our faith should be. 
Let me say that again. We put in place of where trusting in God should be normal. We begin to say and think about all the reasons why God can't do this. Very much like the disciples did back in verse 4. Well, where are you going to get that much bread? We have a lot of reasons, a lot of faith, in why God can't do something in our lives. And so Jesus is now saying, you be careful of that. The Pharisees come along always doubting, always critical, with a critical eye concerning everything concerning the kingdom of heaven. Be careful of that. That is contagious. Yeast spreads through the batter. And contagiousness is, is, is a, is a, that, that of being critical is contagious. Have you ever been around people like that? I have. Where they're critical people. And you know what I found? Pretty soon I'm going, too. Well, I think this person is just... You know, I do too. I think... And pretty soon you're just chewing the person to pieces. It's contagious. Now, we can call it gossip or whatever, but Jesus said, know it like this. It's leaven, and it comes from a pharisaical spirit. Now, a pharisaical spirit was this. I am so righteous and so pious and so good and you're a scumball. That's what Phariseeism was. Look how good I am. My righteousness is built upon all the things that I do and that gives me a right to judge others. The Bible says we're all sinners saved by God's grace. There's none righteous, no not one. That means categorically God's busted us all. Because at the very point that we point our finger to judge somebody, listen, there's things about each one of us that God is wrestling with us in our lives. And I'll tell you something, friends. I don't care who you are. There is an area of your life that is still in its imperfect state. And I believe God sometimes allows that to remind you, don't judge others. Now that doesn't mean we just let people get away with whatever they want to get away with. But it does mean that when we go and approach somebody to correct them, remembering first... Paul tells us, considering yourself first before you go to somebody else. How do you want somebody to address that issue in your life? Now, in other words, if somebody was going to come and address that area of our lives that maybe nobody knows about, maybe only God, how would you want somebody to address that? Well, you heathen slime, you call yourself a Christian, how do you get away with that? That's the way we sometimes are, are, are towards others. Or would you want somebody to say, hey, look, I, I see you got a problem in this area of your life. I, I just want you to know, if you ever want to talk about it, I'm here, I love you, and I'll be praying for you. Isn't that what love is, friends? Rather than going, you slime ball, I've read about people like you. Just hope that they don't know that secret about you. It's like somebody pointing their finger at you, uh, indicting you of something, and then they turn around and say, oh yeah, but what about this? And you go, oh, oh, oh. I didn't know you knew about that. See, that's what we're talking about. The, the leaven of the Pharisees was that they were judging everybody else, not first considering themselves. And again, it's contagious. Leaven in the Bible is a, is a stereotype of sin. And, and you can hide it for a while, friends, but it eventually will, will fester and make manifest whatever it is. Now, again, that's why when we come to Christ, we ask God to forgive us our sins so that it stops It sanitizes that bacterial growth of the yeast in our life so that it doesn't destroy our lives. That's why it's important to have that. 
And, and this is the purpose and the plan of God for our life is that God continues to run us through his sanitizer because otherwise the yeast that we envelop every day from being around people or our own ideas or what we ingest will not grow and cause us to become something other than a loving person that God has saved. So Jesus says it like this. Now look at this. Take heed. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. It's interesting that Herod also was mentioned here. And so the disciples heard it and said, This is great teaching, Jesus. Thank you. No, it doesn't say that. If it, does, if it says that in your Bible, you need to get a new Bible. Verse 16. So they reasoned among themselves, saying, It's because we forgot the bread. Uh, you, you see, Jesus is talking about a spiritual principle here, about being careful of the leaven of the Pharisees, what they're all about, this judgmental, sick attitude that's always picking things apart. And the disciples, because they forgot to bring bread, they're thinking, ah, uh, he's giving us a dig here. <laughs> we forgot to bring bread, and now he's talking about leaven. I knew it! Peter, you should have brought it! They were, and again, you think about this for a minute. They thought that God, Jesus here, was mad at them because they forgot to bring bread. Now, now, friends, again, remember this: Jesus just got done multiplying the loaves and the fishes, and so food is not really an issue. But in all the provision of miracles in, that they saw that Jesus did for them, they still failed to realize that Jesus would meet their need then. Now, again, think about this for a minute. Put it where we live. We go through what we call the dry seasons in our Christian experience sometimes. Or maybe we go through what we might call the um, backslidden condition. Well, I've really been asking God for this particular miracle, and it doesn't happen, so I guess that God's forgotten me, so I'm going to go out and do my own thing. Again, misinterpreting the data at hand, being angry at God. God wants to provide for you, take care of you, all the things He says He'd do in His Word. And we misinterpret it and think, well, it's because God's mad at me. God wasn't mad at you. God wasn't mad at the disciples because they forgot to... Look at this. So they reasoned among themselves, saying, it's because... We have no bread. And Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not perceive nor understand in your heart still hardened? Don't, you, you, you are focused upon the wrong things. Your heart is hardened. You're not sensitive to spiritual issues. I just got done telling you, be careful of what the Pharisees are about. Don't become like them. And you're worried about your gizzard. You're worried about food in your belly. Jesus goes on and says, Having eyes you don't see, having ears you do not hear, and you do not remember yesterday. Talk about Alzheimer's. These guys couldn't remember. Listen, do you see that many people that multiply loaves and fishes? And all of a sudden you're worried because all you brought was one loaf of bread? And if Jesus, what, what is it that the power of God only works when there's a big crowd of people and the show is on? 
Or is it, as we follow the life of Jesus, the miracles were there when people needed them, whether there was a crowd or whether it was just a person by themselves praying. Whether it was just the woman who had an issue of blood all those years and spent all of her money uh, and still was none the better and said, if I could only touch the hem of his garment. Nobody else even knew about that except just Jesus and that woman at that time. Jesus now gives them a refresher course. Verse 19. When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, 12. And when I broke the seven uh, for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. And he said to them, how is it you do not understand? Whoa. He said, how is it you don't get it? Haven't you seen how God provides? And friends, I read this and I kind of make fun of these guys a little bit. But then I look in my own life. And I've seen how God has provided and God's been faithful. And yet when I go through a trial sometimes, I go, ah, God, where are you? And I see myself the same way. And you know what? That's why I believe. And, and, And friends, there's nothing wrong with that. There's an old song that says, count your blessings, name them one by one, count your blessings, see what God has done. And what that's about is simply this, as God has been faithful in the past and got you through those times where you didn't see any way around it, God was faithful then, He's going to be faithful now. Do you not understand? Don't you remember? And I look at this and I realize that God does have a plan for each one of our lives. And God seeing the multitudes knew what they needed. God seeing you knows what you need. Remember the faithfulness of God. Now, again, if you're not a Christian here this morning, my heart goes out to you because you are living in a world that little in life has prepared you for. You really have no way of navigating where everything that you reference continually moves. Well, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm wearing these kind of clothes. I'm driving this kind of car. I don't have any gas, but, you know, I'm, I'm doing all this. And the gas that I have is 350 a gallon. But anyway, I'm navigating. I'm doing the best I can. The Bible says in the book of Jude, these guys that are like that, that are false prophets, he says they're like wandering stars. Now the reason wandering stars that talks about there in the book of Jude are so tough is because they're never in the same place at night. And if you're charting a course off of something that is moving, you're going to be moving as well, and you're going to be off course. That's why David says that, God, you're the rock of my salvation. Generally speaking, if you've been in Israel or you've been in Shoshone Falls Canyon, you know rocks generally don't move much, especially the big ones. And this is what he's talking about. He's saying, God, you are a standard in my life. I I don't have to continue to look to Hollywood to find out if I'm doing okay, if I'm Gucci, if I'm fitting in with all all the the fads and the trends of society. I, I, I have somebody I can trust. And this is what God does in our lives. He, he allows us a standard in which we can trust. And then because God has been in our life, we then can look and say, God, as you've been and faithful, you will be in the future. So you can trust him. See, somebody that says, I just want to learn how to trust God. I just want to, I, I, let me tell you, the more you know God, the more you'll trust him. Heard an old story one time like this, that, that this guy ran, didn't have any money in the store. And he saw a friend, and he said, hey, can you, can you loan me ten bucks? I, I, I forgot my wallet at home. And the guy said, sure. Gave him ten dollars. 
Why did he give him the $10? Because he knew him. But if somebody come up to you and says, Hey, buddy, I forgot my wallet. Will you lend me 10 bucks? Well, I don't even know who you are. No. Why? Because when you don't know somebody, you don't trust somebody. So Jesus says, remember. Remember. And by the way, Jesus didn't just say remember. He actually cited particular issues. The 5,000 people that were fed. The 4,000 people that were fed. And I would just invite you that next time maybe you're going through something where you think that God is angry with you. Or it's something that um, you're not understanding that God's doing and you feel that you failed. Remember, go back and think about it a minute. Where has God been faithful in your life in the past? And you know he's going to be faithful in the future. You see, God knew everything about you, even every failure you would ever do, the day you accepted Him as your Savior. And the reason why you accepted Him as your Savior is because you heard His voice. People say, I've never heard the voice of God. Yes, you have. If you heard that little voice inside of you when you heard the salvation message that said, hey, you need a Savior, this Jesus, this is what you need, that was God. Because the devil wouldn't tell you that. And you in yourself wouldn't care. So that was the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life saying, this is for you. That's how you know the voice of God. So every person that's born again at one time has heard the voice of God. Isn't that great to know? Now listen, God's been faithful then. He'll be faithful now. If you hear that voice from the Lord saying, you need this. You don't want another 10 years like you just had. You want to have God do something new in your life. Let him do that. Now, again, be a candidate. Don't sit back like like Herod. And overanalyze everything and say, okay, do a miracle for me. Well, you know what? The Bible says you believe God's real and he'll do the rest. Faith, or maybe we might say lack of faith, is saying, okay, God, do something for me. That doesn't take faith. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. So I invite you today, just as the Lord has reached out to you through his son Jesus dying on the cross, his blood covering your sins, As he's reached out to you, he's made the first move. Now all God wants you to do is respond back and say, okay, God, I'll step out in faith and accept that gift of eternal life. And then God says, okay, now I'm going to start showing you my greatness. And God does. And then, by the way, remember those great things that God does. The disciples had a little bit of a problem in that. They saw the miracles of God. They saw the undeniable miracles. And yet Jesus says, Having eyes you don't see, having ears you don't hear. Where have you been? You know, I mean, you wonder as you study the scripture, sometimes these guys, and yet in that I see myself. So I want to be sensitive to God. That sensitivity towards his Holy Spirit and that the letting the Lord lead you. And so this morning, if you have never received Christ as your Savior, and you know you're on the outside of the family of God, and you know that you cannot really say, if I died tonight, I know that I would go to heaven. I would invite you to pray and let God clothe you with his righteousness. Let him wrap his arms around you and, and, and the righteousness now that you are is not yours. It's what God's done for you. He's, he's, he's like, he's like wrapped, a, the Bible says like a garment around you. That's oftentimes for some of you Bible guys, you know, the Bible talks about the, the garment that, that we wear at the marriage supper of the Lamb. That garment is Christ. We, we, we wear His righteousness. It's not something that we have generated in ourselves that makes us good. It's what God does for us. So put on the righteousness of Christ. Accept Christ this morning. And then you can say, I know I'm going to go to heaven. Not because I'm good, but because He's good and He's around me.
So if you've never prayed, you've never asked Christ in your life, we're going to pray right now. And so you can pray, and you can actually pass, the Bible says, from spiritual death unto life, and you can have a brand new life. And so we're going to pray. And some of you need a new life really bad. You've really worn your other one out. You need a new one. So let God bless you this morning and let Him heal you and let Him restore you. And then for you that are Christians, maybe as you may be going through some hard things this past week or this past year, think about God's faithfulness in times past. And say, okay, Lord, I I want to repent. I want to tell you I'm sorry for doubting you. And okay, God, let's go. That's Pastor Mike Kessler on It's Time. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to inform you that we offer It's Time for free as a podcast download in the iTunes store. If you'd like a hard copy that you can keep and share, give us a call at 800-357-4226 and the operator can help you with that. Don't forget, It's Time to Grow. Pastor Mike's book on the Christian walk is also available completely free for you by calling that toll-free number I just mentioned. Tune in next time for more It's Time.